Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn back with me to 1 Peter chapter number 4. Uh, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 7. 1 Peter chapter number 4. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 7. Uh, and while you're going there, I want to, I want to share something with you. I, I was, I, one of the things that I like to do is I like to listen to good preaching. And I'm, I'm, I'm constantly uh, listening and uh, hearing, you know, men and women of God sharing the word of God because I, I like getting fed uh, the word myself, too. I, lo- I, lo- I love good expository Bible preaching and teaching. I love to hear God's messenger unpack the scripture. And so I was, I was happening to be listening to this brother sharing the other day. I think his name is Jordan Green, the Pursuit Church up in Denver, North Carolina. He said something that really struck out. And, and, and intuitively, I knew this, but it sort of personified what is happening in today's culture. Uh, and it lets me know that we, we're going to read some scripture today that talks about the last days and the climate and the attitude and the atmosphere. They'll be pervasive during the time when the, the, uh, the, the closeness of Jesus' return to the earth gets near. You know, the Bible even describes that time period like the birth pains of a mother. How many mamas in the house do we have? You had your babies, and you know that, that along through pregnancy, you know, you have pains all over. It'll hit you a little bit. Ooh, baby may kick a little bit. But as you get closer to that due date, what begins to happen? Those pains get more severe, and they get more frequent. And, and I think, it's, is it the Lamaze method? Am I right about the any, any healthcare? Is Lamaze method where you time the, the, the intervals of the birth pains, and the closer they get, that's an indication that the baby is on the way. Can I get it? How many of y'all had children? I, I, I need some, some of y'all mothers like y'all, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, but Pastor. I never had a baby, but I read. My wife has had babies. All right, so, so, so the climate that, that, we're, that we're experiencing now is, uh, uh, is, is, is in, indicative of the fact that I believe that Jesus is coming back. And when we know that he's coming back and we know that uh, the timing of his coming is, is getting near, it should motivate us and move us to follow him in a more diligent and, and, and a more uh, real and serious way. But, but he was sharing, this brother was sharing, and he said something that really struck my heart. He says, he mentioned some things, he said, things Satan wants to do in the church. Things Satan wants to do in the church. He said, number one, he wants to bring pressure from the outside and change from the inside. Listen to that again. Satan wants to bring pressure from the outside and change from the inside. He said he eventually wants to get the church, not the world, to call sin righteousness and righteousness sin. I got to repeat that. He says he eventually wants to get the church, not the world, because the world does what the world does. The world has always been talking about sin. But that's not good enough for Satan because everything that God puts into the earth realm, Satan wants to come and counterfeit it because he wants to disrupt the plan of God. He eventually wants to get the church, not the world, to call sin righteousness and righteousness sin. Then he says, Satan will always work to bring the church into compromise with sin. Y'all hear me? Satan will always work to bring the church into compromise with sin. And then he says that after the church compromises with sin, Satan will teach them to tolerate sin with silence. I want you to think about that. Slavery never could have existed had not the church been silent. Amen. Are y'all tracking with me today? Jim Crow laws could have never been on the books had not the church been complicit with those laws. We would have never had to have a civil rights movement had the church not been complicit with sin by being silent. And I'm going to tell you guys, we're living in an age now where, where, where believers, and I believe some of them are born again, but the church has gone silent as it relates to sin. So after the church compromised, when you compromise with sin, Satan's going to teach you to tolerate sin by just being quiet. He ain't going to say nothing. Well, that's their own life to do what they want to do. See, when somebody's a part of the family of God, 
we have a moral obligation to speak truth into their life. I'm not talking about the world because the world is going to do. We, some of y'all spend too much time trying to get the world to follow laws of morality and the world will never do it because the world is not even saved. Okay, y'all listen to me. Listen to the next thing he said. He says, after Satan teaches them to tolerate sin with silence, he will ultimately get them to teach that sin is righteousness and righteousness is sin. That's what he's after. I was, as I was reading it, I, was, I, I thought about the United Methodist Church. And I don't know if any of y'all grew up Methodist, but whether you, if you don't keep up what's happening in religious circles, the United Methodist Church globally is getting ready to split. And you know why they're getting ready to split? Because there are some who say we believe in the inerrant teaching of the gospel scriptures as it relate to as it relates to marriage, that a marriage is between a man and a woman. As it relates to sexuality, uh, the, the, those who believe what the gospel teaches are saying we cannot go away from the scriptures. We're going to teach what the Bible says. We're going to teach it in love. We're going to love people. We're going to reach out to people. But we cannot compromise scripture for the sake of making the culture comfortable. And so you have those traditionalists who say we hold to that. And then those others who say, no, we want to ordain uh, gay bishops. We want, to or- we want to ordain gay marriage. And so we're going to make an agreement. Just, we're just going to split. Satan, after Satan teaches them to tolerate sin with silence, the, he, will, he will ultimately teach them to, to teach that sin is righteousness and righteousness is sin. So, guys, I'm going to tell you something. This is happening in the culture today. Now, go get, get back with me to 1 Peter chapter number 4. I shared that with you because many of you sitting here today, I don't know if all of y'all in here really believe that the Bible is God's inerrant word and it is God's revealed word to mankind inspired by the Holy Spirit to teach us how to live our lives. As a matter of fact, before you go there, let's, uh, Brother Zane, I'm sorry I'm skipping, but this just popped up in my spirit. Go to, uh, I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and maybe 2 Timothy. Let me get there right quick. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. Thank you, Jeff. Y'all with me? Watch this. Listen to this real quickly. As your pastor... This is why I I like to to go verse by verse. I like for you to turn in your Bibles or I like for you to stare at the screen. (laughs) Because I want you to know what the word of God says. One of the things that that as a pastor I realize is that, that culture will try to get the church to change its viewpoint of sin. There was there were those who 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 used to say, well, just we just want y'all to let us do what we want to do. We're, we're not we're not trying to uh, influence the church. Just leave us alone. Let us do what we want to do and leave us alone. That's how it starts. But now it's not leave us alone. We want you to adopt what we say is right, because the devil never he never he's never satisfied. Uh, he, he's like some folks, amen. You give them an inch, what they're gonna do? Five miles. But listen to what the Apostle Paul shared with this young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy. I love this passage, and I, I, I stand on this, and I'll continue to stand on this. He says, all scriptures, what? Come on, y'all, read, read with me out loud. Is inspired by God. There is something about reading the scriptures and hearing your voice articulate this. So I would pray that you would read along with me and not be disobedient, okay? In the house of God. Something simple as saying, read with me, and you sit there like this, and don't read it's actually a little bit of act of rebellion. I'm just telling you, okay? Because I, I, want, I want you to hear yourself say these words, okay? Are y'all ready? Let's read. All scripture is inspired by whom? God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. Notice what the apostle Paul told him. It teaches us what is true and it makes us Because how many of y'all know sometimes our flesh has control and we think right is wrong and wrong is right. So if my flesh is in control, if my emotions are in control and my emotions are telling me slap you, 
Then somewhere along the line, I got to get, I got to, I got to set my emotion. Okay, emotion, you just said slap her, but let me go to the word of God and see if that's correct. And when I go to the word of God and the word of God says, don't do that, turn on the tree, I got, I got to keep the slap hand in my pocket. But the scripture makes us realize what is wrong in our life. Because some of y'all, even, even as I teach the gospel, I sense in my spirit in this age of decadence, in this age of doubtfulness, that many don't believe what the Holy Scripture actually says, especially if it goes against what you feel. But we got to go to the word. Turn to the word. I always say, listen, whatever I share, if, 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 if there's something that you have doubt about, let's sit down and let's reason out of the scriptures. I said reason out of the scripture, not your family heritage, not where you came from. Let's reason out of the scripture. He says what? Make us what? Realize what is wrong in our lives. Read this last sentence. It says what? It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us. I need to read that again. Can y'all read that with me again? It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what, what does that? The word of God, the holy scriptures correct us when we're wrong and teach us to do what's right. Now, I got a question for you. If you never spend any time in the scripture, if you never spend, come on now, 80 to 85 percent of professed believers, born again, members of churches, never spend time on a regular basis in the holy scripture. So, so if you're not spending time in the Holy Scripture to get it to correct when you're wrong and teach you to do what's right, then what's influencing that? A lot of times the culture, family members, what you see on television. And what God says is you're a kingdom citizen, and as a citizen of the kingdom, you need to let the word of God drive your decision making. All right? So it corrects us. So look at this last verse, verse, verse 17 right here for good measure. Is it 17 there? Am I wrong? Let's look at 17, right? Okay. 17 says, God uses it, what is it? The word of God, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Can we read it together, y'all? God uses it, what is it? The word of God, to prepare and equip his people to do what? Every good work. So what if you're one of his people, but you never crack open the book? Will you be prepared and equipped to do the good work? Absolutely not. I mean, that's just deductive reasoning, right? If he uses the word to equip you and prepare you, but now you're like, oh, but pastor, you know, I'm different. Oh, but pastor, you know, I don't really, come on, pastor, I, I, I know right from wrong. Do you really? He says, if God says he uses the word to prepare and equip us to do every good work, then that means that if I'm going to be prepared and equipped to do every good work, I must have some word time. Not only hearing it, but, but, but putting it into action. Now, let's get, not, not get to my text, okay, lest I get too excited. You know, sometimes I'm sitting there, and as I, I told you, a lot of times the Holy Spirit will give me revelation while I'm walking. That's my revelation time, walking. Uh, and, and he just shared some things with me. And, and, and I want you to go with me through the word of God, because God uses the word to do prep to prepare us and to equip us. Is that correct? So 1 Peter chapter number 4, look at verse number 7. It says what? The end of the world is coming soon. Don't forget that because these next couple of scriptures we're going we're gonna to jump to are going to be talking about what's happening as we get close to the end of the world. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Who is this talking? This is Peter. This is Peter who's talking about be earnest and discipline your prayer. The very Peter who used to have a big mouth couldn't control himself. That very Peter who basically dressed Jesus down for saying he was going to the cross to be crucified. That very same Peter, after he got filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, experiencing, experienced some life transformation. I submit to you that many Christians are trying to do this life in their own strength. And I'm telling you, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, because you're born again doesn't mean you feel with the Holy Spirit. You may have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, but God, the Bible says, be, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. And as you feel with it, it means you're controlled by the Spirit. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Next verse, let's read. 
most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love does what? Go back to verse 7 right quick. Verse 7. The end of the world is what? Therefore, because the end of the world is coming soon, therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. And not only that, but the next verse says this, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers the multitude of sins. Next verse says what? 99 says, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. How should you share your home? Cheerfully. Cheerfully. All right. Keep reading. Next verse says what? God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve. Use your spiritual gifts to serve one another. So, Pastor, what, so you, you're talking about this, how are we tying in spiritual gifts to the message title of the spirit of generosity? Here it is right here. The spirit of generosity says that, that I'm made in the image and likeness of God. God is a giver. He gave spiritual gifts amongst other things. And if, since God is a giver, I should be a giver. I should be given the spiritual gift that's been implanted in me by the Holy Ghost and use that spiritual gift to do what? Serve the body of Christ. Are y'all with me today? Verse number 11. Let's read this right quick. It says, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Now, but now before I jump back into that spiritual gifts, I don't want you to miss what he says here about hospitality. Hospitality using the home has always been a foundational principle of the gospel message. You remember when Jesus sent those, uh, those disciples out two by two, he told them when you go into the city, find a home that's receptive to you uh, and then stay there. Don't be bouncing from house to house, stay there. And because it, during that period of time, as they travel to share the gospel, uh, again, uh, those inns or what we would call a hotel today were, were places of ear repute. You really didn't want to stay there. A lot of prostitution. You know, the, the hotel that you rent by the hour. Oh, y'all didn't know there were hotels you rent by the hour. There used to be. All right, so. <laughs> now, because I know this don't mean I've been there. Let me, let me clarify that right now. See, some of y'all need to start reading. Let me say this. Y'all's mind is not right. But you, you have to be a lifelong learner. Are y'all with me? Especially as a, as, a, as, a, as a believer who's going to lead people in the things of God. You can't read scripture one time and shut the book and then say, okay, we, we're done. No, it's faith coming by hearing, 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 and constantly hearing and hearing by the word of God. But, but as they travel, those places of irrepute were there, and so it, it, was not, it was not kosher or even good for them to stay in those places. And, and those places were, were sort of, uh, they were not very, they, they were not the high regency. Can I get a witness? They were, they were not the JW Marriott. You know, the JW Marriott is different than the regular Marriott. Anybody ever been there before? All right, so, so, so the, it was not those kind of places. So they would rely upon the hospitality of those believers in that area. So the home was very important to the growth and the, and the, and the, and the support of the gospel being spread. Are y'all with me? So hospitality was really important. The, Christ chose uh, that method of hospitality for evangelizing during the early stage of the church. The disciple were Again, they were, they, were, they were to carefully investigate and search out a receptive family and home. He was to make the home the center for ministry. Now, watch this. Several things about this, uh, this method I want, I want you to just make a mental note of. And you can jot these down if you can. They're not on your notes. It's the, Jesus emphasized the family, making it the very hub of ministry. Ministry starts at home. I look at neighbors and say, neighbor. It starts in the home. Now look at the other one. Look at the other one. Say, baby, let me tell you something. It starts in the home. All right? So, so, so Jesus emphasized the family, making it the very hub of ministry. It, the family was, 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 was very important to the growth of the church. As a matter of fact, the church met in people's homes. 
that were gathering there. Yo, let me, can I give you some scriptures right quick? The early church ex, ex, was definitely centered in the homes of committed believers, and as a result, it experienced exponential growth. Watch this. Go to Acts 5, verse 42, right quick. And that's one of the reasons why I've been telling you closeness and authentic community doesn't just happen by meeting here on Sunday. All right. Let me ask you a question. How many people, and I want you to think about this, how many people do you consider to be good, good friends of yours, but y'all never go to each other's house? I would argue, and I think I could argue successfully, that you're not as good a friend as you think you are if you never supped or communed together over a meal in each other's houses, if you never go to each other's houses. You just see each other at church. All right. Say, where are you going, Pastor? I'm talking about authentic community. And I'm talking about something that this church and every other church needs to focus in on so that because the more authentic our community and our gathering is, the more successful we're going to be in, in encouraging and helping disciple each other. And notice the early church. The early church grew exponentially, but they had a common trait. And don't say that, that was the culture at the time. A house is a house is a house. All right? So watch this. And maybe you are correct from this standpoint. We've allowed the culture and the way we do things in this country to, to determine how we're going to live as kingdom citizens. And God says, you are citizens of the kingdom first and foremost before you are citizens of this country, the United States of America. And God wants you to operate like a kingdom citizen first. Amen? Watch the text. And every day in the temple and from what? House to house, they continue to do what? Teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Read it one more time. And every day in the temple and from what? House to house, they continue to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Let's go to Acts 12 and 2. 12 and 12, I'm sorry. Some of y'all are from Missouri. I got to show you, so I'm going to give you several scripture references. So you think I'm not just making this stuff up. Now, here's what I perceive about Elizabeth Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana. Many of us in this church, I don't think, do this well enough. There are a lot of churches that don't do this well enough. Let me say it again. As your pastor, I recognize that we don't do this well enough. Because some of y'all are kind of quirky. Some of y'all got little idiosyncrasies, little ways. I don't want nobody in my house. My, my, my house ain't, you know, I, it's not the way I want it. Baby, let me tell you something. If God has blessed you with a place, it may not be the Taj Mahal, but it keep it clean. And if it's good enough for you, it'll be good enough for a guest. Put your, little, put your little pride aside. Put your little way of thinking aside and say, God, whatever you bless me with, it should be available and I'm making it available for you to utilize. That's what you told him when you got that car. And then your neighbor needed to ride to work for three weeks. And all of a sudden you're like, dog. You know, two, you know, two or three days. Yeah, but I got my, I, I got stuff I got to do. I want to do. Well, well, baby, let me tell you something. If God blessed you with that and it's in, in whatever you have, if you belong to God, whatever you have belongs to God. The Bible says we are bought with a price. So we should glorify God because we belong to him. Check it out. Check it out. Can I give you a word? I just want to give you a word. But, but, but what I'm telling you is a lot of churches struggle with it, especially after the, the pandemic did something emotionally and mentally in a lot of cases. And that aloneness, I, I thank God for that song that was just saying, hallelujah, I am not alone. He's my comfort. He's always there to guide me. Understand that God is there with you, and you have brothers and sisters who are willing to walk alongside with you, but you got to get out of your little quirky way of doing things. Now, listen, there are some of y'all 
I say some of you, I'm just talking about Christians in general. Can I say it that way? Because I don't want you to think I'm talking about you. I'm talking about Christianity in general. There are some believers who had a mindset, well, this is where I've always been. I'm, I'm, I'm 75 and I ain't changing. That's a, that's a very, very dangerous position to be in because if you belong to God, God is always trying to transform you and to change you. You never stop changing if you're going to keep growing. So when I go into the scripture and I see what the scripture says about the early church and how uh, they, they did things and how it, it, it caused them to, to, to grow and multiply, then and if I want to develop authentic community, one of the things that I got to do is, is even though that may not be in my comfort zone, it's got to be in my obedience zone. How many of y'all the Lord has ever told you to do something you know he told you to do it, it was in the word of God, but it wasn't your comfort zone? You know, people, people that, that ever accomplish anything that is significant, they don't just stay in their comfort zone. And God, if you're going to be transformed into the express image of God, dear son, he has to get you out of your comfort zone. Because it's not comfortable, Brother Clint, for me to, to, to pray for those who despitefully use me. In the flesh. It's not, it's not comfortable for, for me to pray for you when I know you've been talking about me. In the flesh, it's not comfortable. But in the spirit, hey man, it's, it's, it's doable all day long. It's not comfortable because you're used to not having anybody come by your place. But listen to what the scripture I, I just want to show you. Can I just show you what the scripture says? When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary. The, and I'm, I'm giving you snippets. You go back and read the whole context. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. When was the last time you had people in your small group or your church over to your house just to pray? Now, I know you had them over to the gossip. time you said, let's, I tell you what, can y'all just come over, we'll, I, I, I'll fix some scrambled eggs and some bacon and I'll fix you some breakfast. Let's just have a little prayer time because there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the church. Uh, you know, people are sick and things are going on and we just need to pray. Have you ever done that? Have you ever even considered that? Well, bro, pastor, you know, I, I you know, I, my house ain't, is, forget your house. This is the spirit of God. Watch this next verse. Acts 16, verse 40. Text says this. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers. There they, where is there? Where is there? At Lydia's house. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. So the believers were there at the house. And they met with the believers at Lydia's house and they encouraged them there before they left town. Go with Acts chapter 20, verse number 20. Talk about hospitality. Because we just read where Peter told them to do it not grudgingly, not with an attitude, not uh, 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 because we have pastors say we got to do this. And I'm going to just do it because I'm a small group leader, and I, I really don't want them folk over to my house. <laughs> They're going to be looking to see what I... Baby, let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you about Doyle Adams and Maria Nikita's Kirk Adams. One thing you'll never hear us do is go around talking and bragging about what we got, where we live, how big this is, because that stuff don't move us. Can I free some of y'all up? Can I free some of y'all doggone stinking thinking up? Quit being so enamored and comparing yourself to somebody else. Lord Jesus. I mean, we don't care about that stuff. You ain't never heard us talking about what we got, what we got, what we have, where we live. Because that's immaterial. And I'm telling you, 
if you get your focus off of the material things and place it on the spiritual things, let God use you where you are right now. I'm not saying it's wrong to aspire to want more. God bless your soul. Because Job was, was the richest man in the East. God don't have a problem with you having things. He don't want the things to have you. And he don't want you feeling less than because your house is not as big as this person's house over here. I told you the spirit of generosity was, was exuded by the Macedonian church. And the Bible says they were very poor. But yet they abounded in rich generosity. Gave out of their poverty. And God said, man, you dudes are doing it. That's Doyle Adams' interpretation. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear. Right? Either publicly or where? In your homes. 1 Corinthians 16, 19. Let's go there right quick. I'm just laying the groundwork. I'm talking about hospitality. Because some of y'all, some of y'all it, it never crossed your mind. You know what? I'm just going to invite this family over. I saw them at church. I don't really know them very well. But I'm just going to invite them over to dinner. Let's get to know them a little bit better. So, I mean, you know, people, people are a little bit more, a little bit more uh, freer when they're outside the four walls of the church. You can act, people act good up in here, don't you? got your amen already ready. You got your deep look on. But when you sit down to eat with people, you get to know them a little bit better. Isn't it amazing how Jesus constantly did that? Do you, re- do you not realize when he, when he talked to Zacchaeus, the short guy who climbed up the sycamore tree to see Jesus coming by, he said, Zacchaeus, come down. Tonight I'm going to have dinner at your house. Jesus was consistently eating dinner with people who were considered to be sinners. The re- As a matter of fact, when you look at the account of Zacchaeus, the religious leaders got indignant because Jesus went to eat dinner at a lowly tax collector's house. I'm going to tell you right now, some of y'all need to be inviting some people who the world considers to be lowly, and you need to take them out to dinner. You need to invite them to your house. That neighbor down the street that cussing and have parties every weekend, invite them over. I know it's a little bit uncomfortable for some of y'all. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, I don't care what you say. I ain't bringing nobody up in my house that I don't know. I'm going to let the Lord deal with you because your stubbornness and your pigheadedness, if you belong to God, he's going to deal with you. Here's what I know. God will give you a word. He'll, first of all, he'll prompt your spirit, but then he'll give you a word from your pastor. All right? Because he'll give you a chance to obey. He really is. Before God brings discipline, he gives you a chance to obey. So I'm teaching this right now. And some of y'all who have a, who have a, have a little attitude about it, I'm just giving you the word. I'm just telling you what Peter told him. Show hospitality, not grudgingly. Cheerfully. One of the things that Sister Adams and I are doing, with, we're, uh, we, we want to make our home even more open and accessible to, to host small groups. And, we, and we, we, we're planning on doing something about that to just to, to, to make it. You know, people may say, well, okay, you got a nice home right now. But, but we, we, what we want to do is we want to make it to where as we host, it, it's a comfortable vibe. We, how many of y'all got a backyard kitchen, your backyard cooking area where you can hang out. That's, that's the trend now, isn't it? And a lot of people doing that. Y'all, I see a lot of y'all hanging on the back porch. <laughs> I, ain't got, I ain't never got no invite to, to eat with y'all, though. I, I'm just, I am just joking. I promise you I am. Those who know me know that I'm just joking. Uh, because, guys, let me tell you something. One, one thing I, I will not do is, is this, 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 this is biblical but you got to be willing to be biblical. If you do it because it's forced, first of all, nobody can't force you to do it. I'm just showing you what the word of God says. And, and, and I'm showing you what the early church did. The early church abounded exponentially because they spent time together in authentic community. Look at what it says here. The churches here in the province of Asia sends greet, send greetings in the, Lord, in the Lord. As do what? Aquila and Priscilla. And all the others who gather in their home for what? Church meetings. I'm just giving you a word. Next verse. Philemon. There's only one chapter, but verses 1 and 2 in the book of Philemon. Text says this. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. 
I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker. Verse 2 says this, watch. And to our sister, Aphia. Now, it's oftentimes, here's what I noticed as I was researching this out. Many times, they would mention the, the woman who was of that residence first in a lot of cases, but it, they wouldn't neglect the woman. Because again, you know, do, you know, make sure husbands that you are uh, sensitive to your wife and, and what her needs are in the home Amen. as well as your needs. I'm just, that just, somebody need to hear that. Because it's not all about what you want, it's y'all should be teaming together as a dynamic couple for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I just noticed that he, they were mentioning the sisters and, and our sister Ophelia and to our fellow soldier Archippus and to the church that meets in your house. The church that meets where? The church that meets where? I will tell you, uh, the, the last uh, new members class that we had, uh, we had them in our final, final get-together. We had them over to the house. And I'm going to tell you, that was one of the most enjoyable experiences. You know, you, you can meet in the fellowship hall, but it's different when you meet at the house. Um, Sister Pam, you know, Brother David went on to be the Lord, but, but that, was, that was my first time getting a chance to talk to him for an extended period of time, to hear his story, to hear how God delivered him from a life of decadence I don't necessarily know that if I would have got that same story had we been standing in the sanctuary. Maybe I would or maybe I'm not. But it was something about that fellowship that was so genuine, so real, uh, because we were breaking bread together, eating some good food. Not that, not, did I tell you my wife knew how to cook? Is it evident? Sister Margaret Kirk taught her children how to cook. And mothers teach. Teach your daughters how to cook. And sons too. They can One thing that I regret, I love my mama and I love my daddy, but they never taught me how to cook. They, in other words, I could have gotten there and learned, you understand me. But it was never a requirement. Hey, you need to learn how to do this. Make that hot water cornbread. My wife knows how to make hot water cornbread. She cooked greens, sweet potato, baked chicken, all that stuff. Am I right about it, Sister Joanne? <laughs> Come on, I got one witness up in here. But my point is, as we hosted them in our home, there was a greater level of intimacy that probably never would have occurred had we just stayed in the fellowship hall. I'm telling you, Okay. Are y'all with me? It says, and to the church that meets in the house. So hospitality is very important. Now, now if you will, I want you to go to my next uh, scripture reference. Because he says these things will happen in the, in the last day. Because you know uh, we, we're, we're in the last days, this spirit of generosity needs to ex- exude. And I, I, I gave you a handout. And again, I purposely, I gave you this for a reference as a resource. Because in this series, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts later on. But I want to tell you that the use of your gifting it's a part of your generosity. All right? And in, look, look, look in your hand out right quick as we go to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. But there, there are what we call the ministry gifts. People commonly refer to those as the five-fold ministry gift. Then there's the body gifts. And then there are what we call the Holy Spirit gifts. Those gifts operate as the Spirit wills. You can't turn them on and turn them off when you get ready. The spirit moves and gives a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. I'm not going to go over those today, but I gave that to you for a reference point because every last one of y'all who are sitting here who are born again, you have spiritual gift, at least one spiritual gift. And part of your spirit of generosity is to make your gift available to be used by the church that you are part of. Amen. Look at 1 Timothy 4, okay? Chapter, verse number one. Can we walk real quick? Let's go. It says what? Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. All right? They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. There's a lot of it out there, guys. Anytime you're following any type of Religion or teaching that tells you to hate somebody 
who doesn't look like you ethnically, you, you, st- you just stop talking to him right now. White nationalists, stop talking to him about uh, that. Black Hebrew Israelites, stop talking to him about that. That's crazy. How can you say you follow a loving God who loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son, but you hate somebody who don't look like you ethnically? That's asinine. And I refuse to entertain that. The Bible tells me don't entertain that kind of foolishness. That'd be different if you're trying to learn. But how can you, how can you exude hate and say you're following God? Those two things are incongruent. They, they do not go together. Hating people and loving God. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, how can, you, how, can you, how can you say you love God whom you've never seen and hate your fellow man that you see every day? Everybody say, lying spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the truth, they will follow deceptive spirits and teachers that come from demons. Next verse. These people are hypocrites and what? And their consciences are what? This is the climate that will be prevalent in the last days as we get close to the time of our Lord coming, Jesus coming around. Y'all do know as a church that Jesus is coming back for those who are born again, right? Do you understand what the rapture of the church is all about? He's coming to catch us up. And because you believe that, because you know that, there's one pastor says, it ought to regulate how you live. If I truly believe that Jesus could come right now, then I would live differently. Because I don't want to be caught in sin and Jesus comes back. So these people are hypocrites and liars and their conscience are dead. Keep reading, let's go. They will say it is wrong. They, they, who is they? These folks, they will say it is wrong to be married. Stop telling people it's wrong to be married. Just get the right person. Some of y'all pick wrong and you pick wrong several times. And you keep blaming the people, but if you pick wrong four or five times, it's you. <laughs> Can I help you? You got to do some self-evaluation. What is it? Why do you keep? Are y'all listening to me? I'm trying to encourage you to do some self-evaluation because if you keep picking the wrong kind of dude, the wrong kind of sister, and y'all can't ever stay together, it ain't all them. You got a part to play in that. What's in you? That has, you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to get in there to heal you of that you feel like you got to have that person who's going to dog you out, cuss you out, beat on you. And you keep going back to that person. No, no, no. You, you, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, sister, and you don't deserve that kind of treatment. Anybody in the house can say amen. I don't care how he begs and grovels until he gets some help. First of all, you need to be born again. Don't make him born again just to get married. I've had that happen when I come through premarital counseling. I'm sitting there wondering, now, really, does you really know the Lord? Okay, now I know you don't get married anyhow. So I'm going to give you my best advice. You'll get married anyhow. But how can, how, he never talks about Jesus. He's never even involved in any type of ministerial outward, not involved in church, but all of a sudden now he's saved because you want to get married. Baby, don't do that. Baby, don't do that. <laughs> Marriage is honorable. But stop picking the wrong kind of people. First of all, first start, about, start out with somebody who's born again. Amen. But you know how hard that is? All the good ones are taken. I don't care. You just wait Amen. upon the Lord and be of good courage. All right. They will say it's wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain food. Now this, I need y'all to hear this. This kind of stuff is going on now. There are people who are trying to obtain righteousness by keeping the law, dietary laws and restrictions. And I'm going to tell you something right now. If you're trying to get right before God by keeping the law, you're doomed. Because none of us are good enough. They say it's wrong to be married. They say it's wrong to eat certain food. Look what the scripture says on the new covenant dispensation. But God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Now, are you faithful and do you know the truth? Here you are trying to tell somebody you can't eat this certain thing, eat this certain thing, because the Bible says you're going to hell if you eat that. You, you need to start understanding how to exegete the scripture text and to understand dispensation. 
Okay, so y'all, some of y'all got family members telling, oh, you're going to hell. <laughs> what does this say? The, the, come on, read it to me. They would say it's wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faith people who know the truth. Next verse, let's go. Come on, guys. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with what? So you ask the question, so what are you going to do with the scripture? Non-porky. Now, again, if you got high blood pressure, don't go there eating those baby back ribs five days a week. I you follow me? <laughs> Somebody said four days. Follow your doctor's orders, okay? Since everything God has created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it. What are you going to do with that? I'm going to follow it. Next verse, let's read. For we know it is made acceptable. How? By the word of God in prayer. Keep reading. Now, now again, Listen, to, listen carefully to me. If your doctor's giving you dietary restrictions for your health reason, then don't do it. Because some, some of us have uh, uh, situations that are, that are hereditary, and you got to be careful. But, but all things being equal, eat what you want to eat. In moderation. Yes, in moderation. Anything, you know, peach cobbler every day, three times a day probably ain't good for you. Right? Listen to what he says. I'm just going through the scripture. Can, 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 can we let the scripture speak for itself? If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, Timothy was a young pastor. You'll be a worthy servant of Christ. That's why I'm trying to explain to you. One who is nervous by the message of faith and the good teaching you'll follow. Next verse. Let's go, guys. Do not. Let me, stop, stop, stop. Do not. Stop, stop, stop. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wise tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. You got to be trained to be godly. Godliness don't just happen because we, we, we're, 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 we're sinful creatures, we're fallible creatures, and we have to train ourselves to be godly. Is that what he says? But you, spend, you waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wise tales your blood pressure up because every time you see this person, y'all arguing about something that they don't even know what the... Lord Jesus. Let's keep reading. Come on. Let's go. It says, physical training is good. Exercise is good. But training for godliness is much better. Y'all do both. But when it gets down to it, when it comes to brass tacks, Spiritual training is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So there's benefits to being trained for godliness. He says there's benefits what? In this life, it's not just when we get over yonder, but in this life, there's benefits and in the life to come. Keep going, guys. Come on, I gotta go. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Next verse three, this is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope is in the what? Living God who's the savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Next verse. Teach these things. Why? Stop, stop, stop. Now y'all understand why I'm talking the way I'm talking? Paul contextually here is talking to his young son in ministry by the name of Timothy and Timothy is a pastor. And look at what he tells his pastor. Teach these things and do what? And insist that everyone learn them. See, here's what I discovered in the church in America today. Many people come and they're, they're of the mindset that, well, you know, uh, but, but Pastor, you know, if, if, it's, if, if, it's, if it's with my, uh, uh, you know, if I, if I feel like that's okay, I'll do it. But I don't really need you to tell me what to do. That ain't what this says. And I refuse to go before the beam of justice of Christ and have Jesus Christ dress me down because I wouldn't speak truth to you. He says, teach these things and insist. They're one now, you're going to learn it. Now, what don't you do is going to be up to you. Here's what I won't do. Everybody, here's, here's what I'm not, what, now what I'm not going to do is stay up worried about you because you won't do what I just revealed to you in the word to do. That's what I'm not going to do. 
I love you. But as I say all the time, I was talking to my brother Clint Park the other day, and he said, you say this all the time, Pastor. Here's what I learned. The leader, grown people will do what grown people want to do. Some of y'all are going to sit here and hear this word, and you say, hell of freeze over I have anybody in my house. <laughs> Pastor ain't going to make me have no... How you... I'm just a messenger called by God. He gives me a message, comes to me, out to you. So really, you, you don't want to tell God that, so you're going to talk about me. You're scared to tell God, I ain't having nobody in my house, because you figure God may take your breath away. <laughs> so you get mad at me. That's okay. I'm, listen, I promise you I'm cool with that. As long as it causes you to think about what I just said, and go back and search yourself, and then you be in obedience. Hey, I'm cool. Some of y'all scared to just tell God, I just gave you the word. I just read 15,000 scripture telling you about how the early church did it. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Can I keep going to the end of the chapter? Oh, Lord, this is good. Can I pick up next week? I got to get to the end of this one, but I ain't leaving this because I'm insisting that you learn it. Now, once you learn it, now you are held accountable. No more, well, I, did, I ain't know. Yeah, you did know. I love y'all. Y'all, y'all I love you. And we got to get out of this, again, Americanized version of Christianity. Well, this is democracy. You just do what you want to do. You can vote to do the word of God or not. Ain't no vote and do the word of God. You do the word of God. Look at this text here. And I promise you, I'm, I'm stopping when I get to it. Is this hot in y'all? Something's going on. All right. <laughs> Maybe just me. Don't let everyone, don't, no, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Listen to that, y'all. I, I read something, I, I ran across something uh, the other day, uh, and, and, and I'm just going to repeat it. It, it, it was a state, it, statement, somebody had a sign. It said this. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. <laughs> Let that sink in. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Operate in your spiritual gift and quit worrying about everybody else's. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're Caucasian. Don't let anybody think less of you because you're African-American or Hispanic or whatever you are. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Be an example to all believers in what you say. Are you guarding your tongue? Are you watching what you say? Are you gossiping and very uh, throw-offish? Throw-offish. Maybe we can insert that in the dictionary, Brother Clint, but I know it's not there. Throw off his. I'll tell you before, guys, be confident who God made you to be. And you don't, you don't quit seeking the approval of everybody. That people don't even know you. Social media, my, my brother-in-law, one of the smartest dudes I ever know, uh, Brother Al, he has a computer science engineering degree from the Louisiana Tech University in Ruston, Louisiana. And he works for AT&T. And it, he's the dude that comes up with all of the programming to make stuff work like the cloud. That's that, you know, the, the cloud. They, they, AT&T comes with these products. And, and he was telling me, he says, really, he said, dog, right now, we don't even really know the long-term effects of this social media environment that we have now. It's, it's an ever-evolving thing. And, and what is happening now is, is people's mindsets and how we digest news and stuff. It's, it's to the point that where now uh, uh, 80% of Republicans don't believe that Joe Biden won the election. Because somebody said something. Because somebody said you lost. That it was rigged. Start saying it before the thing ever happened. I think it's very clear when you look at the facts of the matter. I'm not talking about something you saw on a QAnon website. But we start looking at the facts of the matter. Listen, we got to get back to where truth matters. Yeah. 
Now, listen, to, let me say this right quick. I'm, I don't preach politics, but let me say this. There are people who know better, but they're not they're going along just because it's polit- politically expedient. They just want to get votes and get reelected. They know it's crazy. They know it's wrong. They know it's not true, but I want to get elected. My, 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 my call is where in the world happened to Christians who stand in truth say, listen, listen, yeah, you my guy, but you didn't make it this time. I love you, but we got to move on because this little thing that we call democracy is a very fragile thing. And democracy does not work when you don't have moral truth guiding that process. It doesn't work. Because if you got your set of facts, I got my set of facts, who's right? Speak truth and love. I got to finish. Next verse. Come on, let's go. It says, uh, until, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church. Paul, tell Timothy, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. That's what this young pastor should do. Keep going. Let's go, guys. It says, don't neglect. Here it is. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. My, my admonition to you as we talk about spiritual generosity, do not, Nisha, neglect the spiritual gift that's in you. Carl, don't neglect it. Yvonne, don't you dare neglect it. Tony, don't you neglect it. Gary, don't you neglect it. Oh, y'all. Do not neglect the spiritual gift. That's on the inside of you. Because every last one of you have. I'm talking about giving by the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about something you train and learn. This, this, this is about Holy Spirit giving gifts. Don't neglect the spirit gifts you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Come on, God, go. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your pro. Throw your Give complete, your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. People who are around you should see the progress in your spiritual growth. If, there's, if, if it's not shown, if people can't see your progress, absolutely. Because it said here, throw yourself in your task so that everyone will see your what? So everyone will... How are they going to see your progress? Well, I, I'm thinking better now. You need to be acting better. If you say you're thinking better, but you're not acting better, I'm going to question your thinking. Look at this. 16 and 17. Let's go. Keep a close watch on how you live and your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Is that it? I got to stop. I'm out of time. But we're going to pick back up, guys, next week. Are y'all with me? In 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Spirit of generosity. What am I saying? Timothy had a spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift. But that cannot be cultivated. It cannot be shown as a progressive uh, part of your life. If first of all, you don't search out and get before the Lord prayerfully asking God to give you wisdom about the spiritual gift that's in you. And again, many times those in your, in your body will affirm the gift that's in you. God wants to use you. And too many, too, let, let, let me put it this way. I, too many of EBC members are sitting back in the cut. You know what that means? You're here, you come, you support financially, but you're just kind of watching. And some of y'all used to be real faithful, but you've gotten unfaithful. Can I be a pastor right now? Can I be your pastor? I said, can, will you allow me to pastor you? I'm going to talk like a pastor now. Some of y'all have, some of y'all have, the pandemic has done, many of you have just, so you've gotten used to being away. And God says it's time for us to get active and connected. I, here's what I asked for each of you to do. And I'm going to keep asking this. That's going to be up to you to do it. Get engaged in one internal and one external. Now, we'll, again, as we continue to get things back, back in line, there's, there's plenty of, we got, we got Linda Hand coming up. 
where we're going to give new uniforms, belts, and stuff to, to kids that are going back to school who can't afford it. We don't, listen, this is not arrogant. This is not right. I, I just want us to learn how to do sacrifice. You know, most of us will give away stuff that we don't even want, can't wear anymore. What kind of sacrifice? That ain't really sacrifice. You don't even want it in the first place. Come on now. It ain't no sacrifice to give away something that you don't even want. But that thing that's never been worn, that's new, got a tag on it, will you get it away? So we're going to give away new uniforms, belts, socks, bows for kids to go back to school and they look nice. And we ask you to buy four. If you can't do four, then do two. But, but buy four sets of uniforms. And then we need some people to help love on people that come. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I thank God for our sister Doris Robinson. Again, she and Brother Carl have not because of illness, have not been able to be here. But she, she, start, she helped us initiate that several years ago. And, and we, were, we blessed people. I missed it during the pandemic, to be honest. But the time to love on people, to bless them, uh, we're asking you to sacrifice and do that. And, and hey, if, if you can't get to the store, then that's one thing. But, uh, but you know, you can give money, true enough. But it's something about going to the store yourself. Taking the time to sacrifice some time. I'm going to go out there, whether I go to Dollar Mania, whether I go to Old Neighbor, I'm going to go get four uniforms and contribute to my, my, my church. That's one way you can get involved. Right there, quick, fast, and hurry. But use your gift, one internal and one external. We're, we're creating partnerships with different organizations. We, we had some of them come one Wednesday night here where you can connect to doing some outreach. There's nothing like serving away from the church that helps motivate you spiritually, okay? So as your pastor, I'm going to keep encouraging you to get involved, okay? My time is up. Jesus gave his life for us.